success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce to you today? Lauren is the co-founder and chief strategy officer at 7E Investments. Lauren brings over 10 years of business development, sales, and project management experience to the company. Prior to joining the company, she worked as a senior consultant with SaaS startups to build and scale their sales organizations. This included developing forecasts, defining target markets, identifying acquisition opportunities, and establishing new sources of revenue. Lauren has also been a real estate investor since 2010. During this time, she's helped grow and manage a portfolio of over 100 assets, which include both residential real estate and mortgage notes. In her spare time, you can find her with her husband and two boys enjoying everything Santa Barbara has to offer or planning their next travel adventure. Oh my gosh, Lauren, it is so great to have you here on She's Invincible. Welcome. Thanks. So happy to be here. I'm excited to, you know, for everything we're going to discuss today. I know. Oh my gosh. And you love to travel and you're a boy mom and uh, yes. you just have so many fun <laughs> things going on in the world. So let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Yeah. How did I get here? Honestly, not any way I thought I would. If you had asked me when I graduated college, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, so I got here, I think, through, if looking back, persistence and just that whole saying of, you know, chop wood, carry water, like keep going, keep throwing things at a wall, um, trying a bunch of different things and not being afraid to fail and not being, um, afraid to pivot. You know, I, I think people nowadays are like, Oh, you know, a few months and Gen Z is great at not being attached to this, but I'm a millennial. And it's always been like, Oh, you have to stay longer than a year at a job. And I'm like, well, if you don't like it and it doesn't fit, I'm not saying give up, but if you know, in your heart that there's a better option, be okay with pivoting. So, and people can look at my resume and think, Oh my gosh, you've been to so many companies. You've done so much. You've bounce around a lot, but I'm now doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. And I know that in my heart and I know that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all those other experiences. So I think persistence and kind of that keep going until you know, you find it, whatever it is. Um, and I think that part of what's made me invincible, um, has been that constant work on my mindset, who I've surrounded myself with the leaders, the mentors, the peers, um, and even the employees that we have, you know, some of them having that Gen Z mindset, um, has 
kind of made me invincible, so to speak. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. So let's go back a little bit just to kind of paint the picture. So you went to college thinking you were going to be a lawyer. Yeah, I I watched probably like five too many episodes of like old school law and order, like before SVU was even out, like very old, like um, Mr. McCoy, I think was the guy. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to be an attorney. I'm going to be like a prosecutor. And I majored in political science. I loved it. Um, And then I graduated and went to start taking the LSAT and studying for that. And I don't know, somewhere along the way, I really thought about, okay, what is my day going to look like if I go into this field? I had zero doubt I would love law school. I think I would have just enjoyed enjoyed it so much. Um, But I looked at what my life would look like as a lawyer. And I was like, I just don't think I would enjoy this. So I'm just not going to do this. And I'm happy I didn't for multiple reasons. Um, And I took a hard pivot and went traveling for a bit on my own, working at some nonprofits and ended up back in Santa Barbara, which is where I went to university. And I worked at a um, fitness, uh, fitness company doing teaching fitness classes. And I was like, I love being outside. I love being outdoors. I love working and motivating people to reach their goals. Um, and I did, I love all those things. And I, but I realized very quickly, cause this was before social media wasn't really like a thing. Then there weren't like fitness influencers, but I was like, I don't know how I would do this. I was 20, probably three at the time. How am I going to do this when I'm 40? How is this sustainable long-term? And so, you know, I pivoted out into, I was looking for a job and, my husband at the time worked at a very small tech startup and his, his CEO, very fit athletic guy was like, Oh, like you're looking for a new job. Like you played sports in college. You're an athlete. Like you should do sales. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know about that. That's like car salesman stuff. I'm not into it. I don't like the vibe. And he convinced me to give it a shot. Um, and said he would, they would train me. And I really, you know, I, I, apparently, and I'll own this, was good at it. Um, Even though I didn't get why, I was just kind of like, I'm just talking to people. So I did that and left for another company to kind of grow into a bigger career in sales. And then it was great, but I'm like, okay, I look at my parents, I look at all these other uh, families that I'm surrounded by. And I was volunteer coaching at the time for a water polo, a local high school water polo team. And I was like, all the parents that show up on their own business, none of the parents that are there, like they're all on their time. How do I own my time? I'm not going to be able to do this as we grow our family. Um, and so that's when I broke off into consulting, started my own consulting business. You own your time, but you still have clients who are your <laughs> boss, basically. So that's when I pivoted again into real estate. Um, and that's kind of where my ability to sell, my ability to connect with people and form relationships got me to where I am now, having co-founded 70 Investments with my business partner, Chris. Um, and you know, the trajectory we're on has been great. I love that. Wow. So I wanted to definitely paint that picture because you mentioned <laughs> how many different jobs you had. Yeah. And I'd love to see, you know, where did that, where did that take place? So this is so fun. Well, and today here you are with this successful business and this whole real estate um, thing going on that is just huge and amazing. 
And so I'm ready to dive in. I know it can't be easy to be a woman in this man's world that you are operating in. So I feel like that is such a good conversation today to bring to She's Invincible. And we're going to sprinkle in some of the other juicy stuff, too. So let's dive in to that and talk about uh, that very thing. Like, what is that like and how was has it been? Um, maybe some of your survival techniques, right? How do you handle that? And then I love, you know, the whole uh, finding and owning your superpower because as women, we have so many superpowers, right? So let's jump in. Tell us your story. So um, I'm, you know, in the real estate investment world. And I think when a lot of people think about real estate, they think about sales agents who sell homes and that is majority female dominated. Um, because women are really good at connections and relationships. And that's really what that is about. So I'm not in that aspect of real estate. I am in the investment manage or investment fund and management side of it, which is a hundred percent, not a hundred, ninety-nine percent male dominated. You think financial advisors, you think, you know, people running multifamily syndications, and the image is a, a dude, a guy. Um and then you think, okay, so maybe their marketing team has some women again, you know, it's very, it's very generic and like, um, gender stereotype where the women are in these organizations, but as a co-founder and sponsor of a fund, there's maybe, you know, I was at a conference this past weekend and there are probably a hundred sponsors there of those sponsors. I don't, maybe a handful of us were women or that I noticed, and that's not unusual. And then maybe less than 20% were women just attending. So, and again, it was in roles or marketing capacities rather than, you know, I'm a leader in this company, a capacity. So it's been interesting. I think there's a shift. I do think people are excited to see more women in this space. Um, I think something kind of that ties into your superpower that you mentioned is when I first started uh, and realized, oh, wow, I'm definitely the only woman here um, at these conferences and in this space, you know, I, I think there's kind of like two ways to go about it. You can try to be them and be one of the guys, or you can find what makes you unique other than being a woman um, and really just own that. And like, I call that kind of like finding your superpower. And I think my superpower one being a woman and sticking out like people are going to notice the the woman in the audience um but also you know i say my superpower is my ability to connect with people and you know really develop that relationship very quickly so that's what i've just done i've really capitalized on you know what makes me me rather than trying to be just like every other man or guy in the space Um, and I think that applies to everything, you know, women always are trying to fit some stereotype to, of the successful people in whatever industry, but what makes you unique is very different from me. Um, I'll give an example. Our, um, operations director is a woman and we are complete opposite, but what makes her amazing and brilliant I could not, I, is, if I tried to do that, I, I wouldn't, it doesn't, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work for me. Right. Um, 
And, you know, we have people all the time who are like, wow, she is, you know, brilliant. She does this, she does that. And it's a hundred percent accurate. But if she tried to be me or I tried to be her, people probably wouldn't be saying those same things. Um, so I really believe in kind of finding your superpower, owning it and building your business around that. So finding other people who compliment you to build your business better um, and not trying to kind of do it all, which I think is a trap us women fall into. Um, as a mom, I know I fall into that trap. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of what it's been like. I mean, it's, I, at this point, I find it fun and exciting because people don't expect a lot and you can kind of blow them away um, without anything super impressive, but they think it's impressive. So I'm just going to let, that'll be a, like a benefit for sure of being a woman in this space. Yeah, that's so funny. So I'm going to ask you this. Um, what is it like, as you say, you know, what, what you enjoy is networking. So now I just can envision you're in this room with, uh, you know, 80 men <laughs> yes. right? out of a hundred. And, um, are they receptive? How, what is their response when you're networking with yeah. them? I definitely get a few, a weird look for sure. When I'm either someone else will introduce me or if, you know, they see me and they're like, Oh, like, you know, typically at these conferences, the badges tell are color coded to who, what you are. Are you a sponsor? Or are you looking to find sponsors to, you know, invest with so you can kind of match make and not waste your time speaking to a bunch of other sponsors? Well, I think this past weekend, people were like, oh, like red sponsor, like interesting. Or just kind of like, oh, who's this person? As again, it was very male dominated. And I think I just don't, I'm not phased by it. I just don't really care. I like kind of chuckle a little bit internally because I think they're thrown off. By two things. One, the industry is men and the industry is skewed 30 years older than me. So I have like kind of two things like working against me. Um, there's a lot of financial advisors who are and, you know, investment managers who are between the ages of 50 and 70. And then there's people who are my age. And I tend to connect with them well because usually they all have kids. So and they're all going through the same thing um, stage of life. So I think it's really just like, how do I find common ground really quickly with these guys um, and then build in the rest of the story from there? That is so key. What you just said really quickly, right? Because yeah. you only get like those few seconds to make that impression and then you kind of lose the floor. So I love that you said that. So this is this we're going in all kinds of directions. But yeah. while we're here, I want to say your boy mom. Yeah. How, now, now, how is this going to affect this, all of this experience in business for you? How will this affect how you're raising your boys? What are you teaching them that um, may be different that might they may grow up to be more supportive yeah. or more open to very successful women? Yeah, um, I never thought I'd be a boy mom, even though it's what I wanted. You usually don't get what you want. so. I love being a boy mom. I think my goal is that they see, you know, my husband, prior to me launching this business, we kind of flipped. Uh, he was in corporate and he was really the, the, you know, the benefits and all of that. And then I did this and now he's consulting and is more with the boys. And it's cute, like the three of them all the time. Um, 
one, I will say the mom guilt has been tremendous. And I think that's something as women, if you're a mom is hard to be like, wow, I'm not always there. Like I was, but I'm working to, for a future to give them all of that. And also there's not many dads who show up to like their, I mean, I still volunteer in the classroom, but like things like field trips or after school sports, like my husband's the one there and it's like him and all the moms now. So it's, it's, I think it's really great for them to have that relationship with him and for him to be there. My hope is that they see a woman building a business and it doesn't phase them as they grow older and that they want someone, I mean, and that when they, you know, find, have developed relationships with females in whatever capacity, friends, girlfriends, wives, um, that they look at them as truly equal partners. You know, I, I think most men do, but there's still a lot of, you know, shuffling around of the stereotypes, even with my husband being more active with the kids. That's a stereotype he's breaking into of like, nope, I'm it's dad. (laughs) It's me today with all the moms. (laughs) I, I hope I'm teaching them both sides of the coin. Like one, you can take on that role. You don't have to be like the, and I think it's hard for men as much as moms have mom guilt, dads have like provider guilt of like earning guilt, you know? Yes. So how do you, you know, I feel like hopefully we're teaching them like, look, there is no set stereotype. Women can lead companies and, you know, build empires and men can also help as much with the kids. So I hope that they kind of see that as not weird as they grow up. Yes, I love that. And you're setting a great example and making it the new norm, right? Like in your home, the dad goes on the field trips like that's a cool thing. I, I almost feel like your boys may grow up thinking like that's their place. Like, yeah. I, like oh, that man. was really cool. And I want to be that cool dad, yeah. right? Like dude, they're going to have to find some independent women that'll yeah. go to work, <laughs> which I love that because I do think we need to, you know, shed more light on that and make that more normal because as much as like men ha- have that, you know, that thing where they're like out there providing I think it's so important that they also have that some of that deeper relationship with their kids. I think it's good for the kids as well. You know, I don't think it's really great for anyone to just do nothing but work and not have that time and and create those memories and things like that. So, but I just was interested to hear like coming from, man, you've seen it all, you know, like, are you rebelling? What are you going to do with these kids? (laughs) Will this be an arranged marriage? Like how will this go? I love it. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about real estate and about what you're doing in real estate, because I know for myself, when we initially connected, I was like, now tell me exactly what you do. And then as you explained it, I understood more and actually could relate to that because it's happened to me. So tell us about your company and what you're doing there. Yeah. So, um, I am the co-founder at 70 margin note investments. Um, we are a investment firm that invests in mortgages. So when I say that, I, I feel like most people who are probably listening know what a mortgage is, hopefully, or you know, understand the concept of when you buy a house, you get a mortgage. Now, what we do is we buy those. And you might be thinking, oh, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so when you get a mortgage, you know, typically what happens, and I'm sure I think you said this has happened to you, yeah. you'll get a letter in the mail and it'll say, hey, Lauren, we sold your, you know, Chase Bank, your current lender, where your mortgage is held, 
um, they decided they're going to sell your loan to Union Bank. So now your bank, your payments go to Union. They're new, they're your new lender. You know that's they own your loan, and so you start making your payments to Union. Well, what happens is when banks are looking to write things off of their balance book, um, for example, with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, you know they had notes that were mortgages that were at 3% and now interest rates are at 6%. So they're like, okay, we need to write these to zero, offload them and start originating more notes at 6% so we can make more money. Now that's where we come in and other big investment funds come in. Um, and we buy these notes at a discount. Typically I'd say 50% are paying on time as expected. And the other 50% have not paid you know, anywhere from 90 days to a year plus. So we buy a mix of what we call performing, paying and non-performing notes. And we essentially flip them, meaning because we buy them at a discount of like 40 to 60%, we then are able to get the borrowers repaying. And then we sell that note to another lender for anywhere from, you know, 80 to 90 cents on the dollar. So I think of it as like, instead of flipping houses, we flip mortgage notes. Which seems so much easier, right? Because you don't need anybody to buy the house. <laughs> it's, it is, uh, it's that, I mean, that's a very high level concept. So yes, it does. It is easier in a lot of ways, but there's a lot more, uh, it's more heavily regulated, I will say. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's so cool. So, and then one of the things we talked about, which was, um, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later, is that you actually have investors that invest, yeah. that provide the money for you to buy these yeah. loans. and so. Um, yep. And I'm super excited to share that news as well, but we'll hold off on that. So, okay. so I would love to also touch in this power of networking because you brought that up as like oh. this weekend and being in that group uh, and that quick, you know, the fast networking. <laughs> so yeah. uh, share with us a little bit about that in a sense of how has networking really helped you move into I mean, you've done so many things, right? Yeah. So how's it helped support you in the, the pivots that you've made? And then also in the growing and scaling of your company today? Yeah. So I always say it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, today's environment, the job market is pretty uneasy for a lot of people. So how are you going to differentiate yourself? Typically, you're going to get a job if it's someone you know works at the company and they're going to refer you in. They'll vouch for you. So I think I had just, all the things I had done, I had known so many different people that now I have this huge network I can go to to not only help other people connect, but you know, if I'm in need of something in marketing, I can go to like all the other companies I've worked at and say, okay, hey, do you guys know anyone who fits this? So it's helped one grow this business. Um, you know, a few of the people that I hired on had no specific real estate experience, but were experts at what they do. So, like our operations director, I knew instantly that she was the person for this, and I had met to her because our kids, our youngest, are in the same class. Um, so it, I feel like networking doesn't have to be this forced. Uh, I attend a networking event and this is where I meet people. And I think everyone has their own style of networking. Mine is very much like, I'm going to talk to everybody, the person in front and behind me at the coffee shop, the person sitting down at the coffee shop, pumping gas, getting groceries, like 
I am, my husband's like, you just talk to everybody. And I think you never know who you're going to talk to, what you're going to learn. Um, and I genuinely am curious. Like, I just like talking to people. So I think it's just, and it wasn't like this prior to in college, I was a total introvert, which is like super funny. Um, but I think working in sales and then just realizing like, I actually like getting to know people, um, has helped me develop like a ability to just network with anyone anywhere. It doesn't have to be necessarily a conference or an event uh, that I go to. I love it. I love it. Any other tips around that? Yeah, I think just like being you, I'm like pretty, I don't have a filter. So I think when I go up and I'm like, Oh yeah, like I just, you know, I'm on, for example, this conference, I'll give you an example. I, would be talking to someone or they'd be like, hi, this is Lauren. How are you? Great. Great. You're like, yeah, I just took a six hour train ride, but I didn't bring my two kids. So it's basically a vacation. And like, that's the first thing I've said to them. So right away, they know I have two kids. I'm a mom of two. And I'm, I feel like this work conference is a vacation and they laugh and it's like, great. They laugh. Like, we've, we've instantly formed a connection and they're like, Oh, I have grandkids or I have kids. How old are your kids? And then it kind of just goes from there. So like, I feel like people normally wouldn't feel like it's normal to say that, but you know, or like I didn't sleep last night cause I had Mexican food after 9 PM and I feel awful this morning. And it's like, you know, I'm not used to eating like this. And they're like, Oh, like, do you usually work out? Do you, it's like anything you can, Anything that you think is weird to throw out there actually breaks sides and helps you form that quick connection. So I love it. Yeah. And it helps you find your people, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, because they're going to respond to that in a way that you're like, oh, these are my people. I'll stay right yeah. here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're working the room. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Now, how are you as a connector? Do you do a lot of also, you know, introducing other people as yeah. well? I think that's like my secondary power is I'm really good at knowing like, oh, you should talk to this person. And it's not necessarily even in this business. It's more, you know, just in life. People are looking for new jobs or people are looking for X, Y, Z, like, you know, service. And like, oh, do you know who does this? Let me like, let me put you on a text message together. Um, and I think there's good karma in that too. Because people remember, like, you brought them business. It wasn't like you were trying, like, you, without it, and it's not something, it's kind of goes back to that whole sales. Like, I'm easy, it's easy to sell something that I know, like, and trust. And I'm like, if this person is really good at this, and I like this person, and they need a job, and I know both of them, that's like an easy connection to make. Matchmaker, um, right? You're, yeah. You're just matchmaking. So, yeah. So I really, I do enjoy that a lot. It really, it's kind of like, you know, it's not something I get paid to do, but I love doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. So how, what was it that inspired you to move into this real estate in 2010? Uh, not so much the, well, maybe it is the, um, this part of it where you're actually buying mortgages, but it, did it start with you purchasing your own real estate properties or did yeah. you move into just the, you know, buying no, the mortgages? No, I definitely didn't start out in mortgage notes. Um, okay. I think what really got me to look into real estate more and take it more seriously was this idea of passive income. And if you can generate passive income, then you don't have to work hours. So it's kind of like, I want to put my money into something that I don't trade hours for. And so what's going to do that? Real estate. 
essentially is one of the only things, I mean, maybe stocks, but, um, I, yeah, I didn't, that was really like, I think, again, I was getting to the age where we were thinking of having kids. I wanted to envision what that life would look like, you know, like how much can we still travel all the things and having that autonomy was really important to me. And so that's when we started looking at, um, real estate and we actually, started with doing some private money loans and those are very passive. Like we find the right people to invest with or in rather, I would say, and we get a paycheck in our account every month. And it's like that offsets, you know, this bill or that offsets the mortgage or so how many more of those do you need to do? And then I got into mortgage notes because, um, it was just, it's more, I got into it to build my own portfolio. And so I built my own portfolio of mortgage notes and then realized that there was a lot of people who wanted to invest that didn't have the time or the energy to do it all themselves. And that's kind of where the fund came from. That's awesome. I love that. So um, do you have any tips for people out there that are, I mean, obviously you mentioned stocks, but man, they are not like, you know, killing it right now. People are like, no, uh, do you have any advice for people that, um, are thinking about investing in real estate? So going back to where you were then, um, what kind of advice would you give them? I hear so many things of people that are afraid to take the risk. Uh, like they have these fears of like, one, it's a lot of money to invest Two, what if, pe- what if the people that they, you know, rent to don't pay their bills, you know, so what kind of oh. advice do you have to kind of empower people today on like, look, it can work out. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a few things um, I would say if people are looking to invest with their own money. Right now in this economic climate, you have inflation out of control. You have rising interest rates. So a lot of, I think when people initially think I'm going to invest, they think I'm going to invest in a home, I'm going to rent it. That's like, I think the first thing that comes to mind, I'd say if you're going to invest in a hard asset by yourself with your own capital, there's a few things. One, make sure you have reserves because you want to make sure that if something, if the tenant doesn't pay, if the floor, if there's flooding and damage, you have the ability to fix that without stressing your, you know, life. Um, two, I would not over leverage yourself. So make sure that when you're taking out a loan, you can cover that for at least six months. If again, it doesn't rent or you lose your job or whatever it might be. Um, so making sure that you're not over leveraged, uh, if you're looking to take steps to invest in a fund of some sort, there's two ways to go about it. Um, you can, if you're accredited, meaning that you, you know, if, for those who don't know, make a million dollars or have an, excuse me, have a net worth of a million dollars, excluding your primary residence, or make $200,000 as an individual or 300 as a joint uh, couple, then you're considered accredited. If you're accredited, you have a plethora of options available to you. Um, typically, there's a higher investment minimum but you can look into all sorts of syndications and funds. You can Google like real estate investment funds. And I'm sure like Google will explode. Um, You can even narrow it down to markets. So if you're accredited, definitely I would look into investing in a fund. I would within that to go even deeper in this climate, I would look at specifically 
funds that are not leveraging their investor money. So what funds will typically do, majority of funds will raise capital. So say I raise a million dollars from investors, and then I'm going to take that million and go to the bank and say, hey, can you give me a loan? Look at the money I have. Well, that worked when money was cheap at 3%, but now it's 6 7%. And if for whatever reason, that sponsor, that offering goes sideways, the bank gets paid before you. So your money has been leveraged and you're not going to get paid till that bank is paid. So your money is more at risk. It's not in first, first in line, I would say. So making, asking the question of the sponsor, one, like, do you take on any additional leverage from banks or any other type of loans? Um, I would ask what their management fees are. You know, some funds will say, we'll give you 20%, but we take a 5% fee a year to manage your account and an ask, uh, acquisition fee and a disposition fee. Um, I would look at tax ramifications of investing. You know, if it's a K-1 I'm gonna, and I'm in the 37% tax bracket, that sucks. I'm going to be 37% on every dime you send me. Right. So looking at the tax ramifications, I would also look at um, the sponsor. I think people, I, I love referrals. Like as a sponsor, I love referrals because there's like a little bit of a built-in trust because, hey, my buddy invested with you. Yes. But what happens is if you don't do your own due diligence, we end up with an FTX or a Theranos or... Um, who's that one woman that just JP Morgan Chase is like suing because basically these very well-established investors were like, Oh, like this established investor invested in you, then I'm just going to do it without running your own due diligence. So I think running your own due diligence, asking all the questions, like how many, how long have they been in business? What is their take on the market? You know, is really important. Even if you're referred to someone. Um, and then the last thing I would say is even more niche looking at asset classes, you know, what asset classes are going to thrive in this economic climate. It's not going to be multifamily or commercial or office because those are just in trouble. I would probably look at um, things like storage units or credit funds, which is like what ours is things that are going to do well in an adverse market cycle. Um, and that's just for accredited. If you're not accredited, unfortunately, your options are so slim. But the good news is at this conference I was at, I heard so many financial advisors advocating for their clients saying, we need more regulation A plus offerings. The Jobs Act was passed in 2012, updated in 2017. It allows for accredited and non-accredited investors alike to kind of even the playing field. And so I would, I don't know, Google regulation A plus real estate offerings um, and see what comes up. And it basically that allows non-accredited investors to invest. There's typically a very low barrier to entry. So we're talking anywhere from like, I've seen $10 to $2,500 or $5,000, which is doable for someone who's never invested passively. And then as far as everything else, I think the same things that apply to accredited investors as far as due diligence and asset class and, um, you know, although not making sure the funds aren't leveraged is really important. But if you're not accredited, I would definitely look into Regulation A plus real estate offerings and kind of go from there. 
I love that. Oh my gosh. And you have news about your business as well, right? Yes. So let's, yes. let's just move right into that because uh, this is, I'm so excited about this. And yeah. uh, this will give people an opportunity that they might not otherwise have. So let's yeah. let's tell them all about it. What's happening uh, so, at 7E? Uh, so we actually had done tons of regulation D offerings, which were only open to accredited investors. And we're only, you had to have a minimum of 50K or, you know, and so we did well. We had a lot of non-accredited investors coming to us who had money and said, hey, will you do a joint venture with me? Will you like, is there anything you can do for me? And you couple that with the fact that I, I'm younger-ish in comparison to most field, people in this field. And I have this like passion to make this accessible to all. And so between what we were hearing from people who wanted to work with us and my passion for, you know, evening the playing field, so to speak, or giving people the chance to play even, um, we decided to file with the SEC to get qualified for a Regulation A-plus offering. We were qualified as of last July, um, and we have raised to date over $12 million from non-accredited investors and, uh, and accredited, um, and it's been amazing. So many people, you know, our minimum is $2,500. So we've had people who have come in and said, I have 50, but I've no, I'm not accredited and I've never invested. And they start with 25. And then they're like, wow, this is cool. I'm getting a paycheck in my inbox once a month or in my bank once a month. You know, I'm going to invest more. They've earned my business. And so now we have investors who are, we call them repeat offenders who are investing 50, another 10, another 10, another 10. And it's cool to see that we're giving that opportunity to give passive income to people to offset their lifestyle, to offset inflation. You know, their money was dying in a bank account, not doing anything. And they, again, total disclaimer, every fund has risks. Nothing is guaranteed. If anyone says they're guaranteed, run the other direction as fast as you can. Um, but just to be able to give people the opportunity who are making good money, but not accredited, and now have an extra $500 coming into their bank account every month to offset childcare, a cell phone bill, part of their mortgage, whatever it might be, is pretty awesome. And What's even more awesome is like, we're just starting. Like we, this conference I was at was to raise money from, you know, going to Schwab and saying, Hey, put us on your platform. So now financial advisors across the country who have non-accredited investors can easily access us. So again, going even further and making it more accessible. And, you know, we've got a lot of great feedback. We're uh, the launch of the fund and the market taking a tank actually work really well for us, yes. which is unfortunate for most people because we're investing in debt and it's secured by single family homes and we're helping people stay in their homes and we're giving access to people who, you know, want to get in on the, want to play in the game, as I call it, the investment game. And it's, yeah, it's been really awesome. I have a question. You just brought this up uh, about that. Can people that maybe are in trouble connect with you uh, great directly or do they, does this have to go through the bank? Yeah, that's a great question. We got that a lot in the beginning. We're like, oh, our marketing must not be targeting the right people because we got a lot of people who would call and say, hey, can you buy my loan? And unfortunately the answer is no. 
Um, we go through only what banks or larger hedge funds or funds sell. So we don't say, oh, like, I wish I could say, oh, my neighbor's across the street's in trouble. Unfortunately, that's just not how it works. So yeah, we're looking at pools or what they call it, tapes of assets that banks are giving to us and saying, hey, these are the ones we want to sell. So this is so good. This is so good. Anything else you want to share? We just covered so many things. Yeah, but I love some accredited thing because and non-accredited because it gives the little guy a chance, right? If they can invest little by little, they can become accredited, right? Because their portfolio is growing. And then they're able to, at one point, be able to be accredited and maybe play a bigger game. But I love that it helps the smaller, you know, earners have a way to still grow their money and invest in something bigger than they ever thought they could, right? Like they're a lot of times just worried about how they're going to pay the bills they have. And this Mm -hmm. gives them like this new um, snapshot of this more freedom, right? This other lifestyle that they, that really they could attain. So it's giving hope I'm sure to so many. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome to see the amount of investors we've had, how it's grown. And um, I'll just like, quickly summarize the offering term. So it's like we, our minimum is 2,500. We offer bonus shares at 25,000 and above. Um, You are getting 8% a year on your money and we pay monthly dividends. So they are tax advantaged. You're not paying ordinary income. Disclaimer, I'm not an accountant. You should check with your accountant (laughs) (laughs) on what that number would be. It's not ordinary income, but you got to check with your accountant. So that's why I'm not going to say you only pay this percent. you know, and we, yeah, we have those monthly dividends, which is unique. Um, it's really a income play for people who are looking to generate passive income to offset their lifestyle, inflation or debt, whatever that might be. And it's been really great to see how it's taken off. And I mean, you're right. It's a no better time than right now, right? When yeah. inflation is up and yeah. everything is up. It's ridiculous. And I just think this is amazing. Well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for all that you shared here. It's just been awesome. And let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at at Lauren Walker Wells on Instagram. And I know the rest of the information about 70 will be in the show notes. Yes, for sure. So all the links to Lauren and her company will be in the show notes. So as you're listening, just click the link. And it will take you directly to Lauren and the business and everything. So if you have questions or you want to get started in this type of investing, like this just seems like amazing at such a time as this, right? The right deals at the right time. Yeah, I love that. And people want to be part of something bigger. And so this is, I love that you're doing this and really giving people the opportunity to do that. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there. 
that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. Oh my gosh. Well, Lauren, you know, on She's Invincible, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs. We're going to spotlight their expert zone of genius. And you have done that so well. We, I mean, we've covered it all. Uh, <laughs> being a woman in the man's, in this man's business, yeah. how to network and connect people and how to use your money and how, and grow your money uh, with 7E, which is just yeah. amazing. But we're not done <laughs> because we also promise our listeners that while we're spotlighting these amazing people like you, that we're going to pull back the curtain and we're going to share because <laughs> we know entrepreneurship is not easy. We know about the ebbs and flows and the bumps in the roads. But when people see you and you're young and you're brilliant and you're successful and they think, she's so lucky. Right. And we yeah. want to just smack them because they don't know what you had to go through that the journey you took or the obstacles you had to overcome to have the success that you have today. And so I would love to pull back the curtain now and mm -hmm. share some of this journey. Are you ready to tell some stories? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, it. do it. Okay. So we're going to start with the good because that's my favorite part. So yeah. let's uh, tell us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Um. So the good has been being a woman in space, uh, in entrepreneurship in general, but also specifically in real estate investing. Um, it's, it's great in that you see that there, I've seen the turn. I've seen that there's more women wanting to enter the space. You have a lot of women who have been in the space for a while that, you know, are wanting to mentor you or wanting to help you. And you kind of have this like alliance of 
a team, you don't work together, but you're all minorities in the same, you know, space. So the good has been having that team, even though you're not on the same team of being a woman in the space. And honestly, you stick out and it's a great thing. I love that I stick out. I mean, usually you have to wear like in a room full of women, I have to wear something crazy. So people remember now I just get to wear whatever I want and I'm going to stick out because I have long hair and, you know, boobs. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's all you need. Right. And the, and, the, and all the guys that they, they know who you are and where you yeah. are. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I love that. All right. Well, next we're going to tell a story about the bad. We'll save the ugly for last. So tell us a story about the bad part of the journey. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's being a woman in the space. Um, I am, I guess people, I'm not a tomboy, but I'm definitely not the woman who, you know, wears the dresses or the skirts. I always wear like pants. I don't to conferences and everything. Um, and because that's what makes me feel most, I guess, fit in and powerful and what I'm, how I present myself. But being a woman in the space, it seems like even if, even if you play down that you're a woman by what you wear, um, people still look at you and kind of don't expect much or are they like, Oh, she's probably someone's a secretary, which I've been asked multiple times, or are you, is your husband here? Do you work with someone like, you know, assuming that I'm an assistant or, you know, just a face rather than a business owner. So that has been a hurdle. And I think it all comes back again to mindset of like, well, like I don't really care. Like I'm going to go do this and I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's part of what makes me, me as I do well coming from behind or as the underdog, but it has been something I've met time and time again. And I think for a while I was like looking for it and expecting it. And I think getting rid of the looking for it has also been a huge help as well. I love that. So now remind me, how many years have you been in this business? This new or 70 has been around for just under a decade. I've been, you know, co-founder for about a few years now. Are you seeing it get any easier? I don't know if it's getting easier, but I think I just don't look for, I look for the good. You're getting better, right? It yeah, doesn't get easier. Either you get I'm really numb to it and I don't see yeah. it. Or it's getting better. I don't know which is the right answer. <laughs> That's okay. That's good to know because there. That means we have two options, right? It's yep. either getting better, or we just we get better, and we just yeah. don't pay any attention to it anymore. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But I, you know, you like to kind of look back and think, like, is it getting any better? Like, is that for real? Yeah. All right. Let's go for the ugly. Tell us a story about the ugly part of this journey. Yeah, I think it's the again, being a woman and the gender bias as well as age bias for me, um, there will be people who be, you know, who will ask questions at panels and in discussions of like, well, it's actually, I think the generational ish bias is a bigger bias than the gender bias. I'm a millennial. I think it's kind of, I feel like it's like the older generation you get, you feel like this need to beat down the younger generation. Everyone does it, you know, Everyone, and I feel like the millennials are probably going to do it to the Gen Z. It's like, it's this weird thing that happens. And I don't know if it's because, I don't know why. But I'm, like I said, in this industry, probably about 25, 30 years younger than most people. And I kind of feel like they're like, well, you don't have experience. And it's, or you don't 
how would you know? Or, oh, you're a millennial. You won't be, you're like not going to hard work hard. And it kind of just like consolidates everyone into one group and stereotypes them. And I think that's like just the ugly part of people. Like, again, I look at Gen Z and I'm like, wow, they're amazing. I've hired some Gen Z. I want to hire more because they think differently. And I, unfortunately, your investors, Mr. 80-year-old, are Gen Z and the millennials. So how am I going to market to these people? What are we going to do different? And so I get very passionate about this because I, I am a millennial and I think we've been so stereotyped. I'm like, oh, like I hate that. And I don't want to be that for the younger generation. And right. so I, again, I think it's kind of just like they choose people in the industry who gen, age stereotype, I guess, or, you know, ageism. Um, and I know ageism can totally go both ways too. And I agree that there's an issue there, but I think in this specific, um, environment, there's a lot of like, well, you don't have enough experience. Who are you? You're going to quit. Like you're not a hard worker. Who are you related to that got you here? And it's like, none of those apply, but also you have to start somewhere too. Like, where did you start? How old were you when you, you've been doing this 30 years. So you were, oh, you were my age when you started. And I think it's like, I've never said that, but in my mind, it's like, everyone has to start somewhere. And I, it just blows me away that people have this like ugly side of them to kind of write off younger generations when you, those are your investors of the future. Those are your, you know, buyers of your products, your books, your, you know, offerings, whatever you're selling. And so how, instead of trying to keep them down, how do you market? How do you appeal to them? So I think that's probably the, uh, I think that's even uglier than being a woman is probably the age thing. I love that. And that's so true. I actually was in a networking event last week and it was virtual, Uh, but there, there were three of us in a breakout room and one gal was talking about, you know, the younger generation. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love them. I love, they think so different. Like you said, they think outside the box, you know, while we're all trying, you know, we're working, we're living to work. They're working to live, right? Like I want more of that in my life, right? And wish I had it sooner. So I do think I agree with you a hundred percent. And I don't think we can really put anybody in a box because everyone's different, right? Doesn't matter. Like even, even these younger people are still, you know, thinking different. They're not all lazy. Maybe some are, but some people my age are lazy, right? Yeah. So, So it's like such a thing, but I, I do. I'm like you, like I would hire them and I am actually, I actually do hire them. So yeah, it's like a lot of my team is in their twenties and I love that because they're able to like do things that other people my age don't do like with media and ideas for marketing and things like that. And I love that. Well, this has been amazing. Anything else you want to add to any of the things we talked about or any final words you want to give to our listeners today? Um, No, I just think, I think like the only thing I would end with is like you in life, if I've learned anything and not that wise, but the thing I think I really focused on a lot this weekend, this recurring theme, and I heard speakers, some speakers talk about it, um, was if you are told you're going to have the best day ever, you're probably going to have the best day ever. If you believe that all the things that happen, even if they normally would happen are going to be the best thing that's happened. If you are told by someone, oh, today's going to be the worst day ever. 
everything that happens, you're going to see it. You're going to look for the negative. So I think if you're looking for opportunity and if you're looking for, you know, expansion in your life, you're going to find that. And if you're looking for at the negative, then you're going to see that as well. Well, that was a total flip in <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> There's the mic drop. Guys, this is Lauren Wells. And this has been such a joy to have you with us, Lauren. Thank, Thank you. you so much for just sharing all of this brilliance. And to our listeners, oh my gosh, what a mic drop. You just heard it. <sighs> you know, you're going to get what you're expecting. That's yeah. how it works, right? We see things different based on what we're expecting. Yeah. So I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but you know, if you're face down on the ground right now, just get back up, right? Just get back up. Tell them, Lauren. Oh man, it's true. Just get back up. Keep going. Chop wood, carry water. <laughs> That's right. I love that you said that. You guys just, you know what? I know you feel like you can't do it, but you can and you will. But the first thing you have to do is get back up. And I love that. From Lauren Wells, chop wood and carry water. You guys, you could do anything. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camilehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.